Um, hey, everyone. Uh, fortunately, I don't think I have any issue uh, edits or corrections or anything that I need to update for this episode so we can get right into it. Um, I am honored. My name is Zach, Zachary, Zachary Weiberg. I am honored to be doing the intro for Out for a Kill, maybe the worst movie I've ever seen. Right, who else do we have here today? I'm Aaron. <laughs> I'm Hans. And I wouldn't go that far. I, I wouldn't go that far, but I'd go right up, uh, maybe just, just under that far. It was close. It was... I will not lie. There were a couple gems hidden in here that kept me okay, from okay, saying but it here... was worse than Ticker. But it came <laughs> really close. It was really close. But I'll tell you one thing. Ticker was just straight. We, I mean, it's such an easy comparison because Ticker was right. just straight bad. This one was bad. But I laughed a lot. Not when I was supposed to, but I was having a good time. Hey, everybody. Welcome okay. to Times of Ticking the Ticker podcast. Uh... <laughs> but you can't check your six. It's kind of like, you know, taking a screwdriver to a gunfight. What's happening? Just like old Tom, Tom. I think every episode since Ticker, we've talked about. T- I think every episode since Ticker, we're going to have to talk about Ticker because it's it's, it's going to be the a yardstick. While that we're still talking about it is the yardstick. That's a good how way to bad put it. a Seagal movie can get because this came <laughs> really, 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 really close. This is a very close second for me. Maybe something else Seagal will take movie. the crown at some point and will be worse than Ticker. But I think we're going to be referencing Ticker for a while. You know, I really hope it doesn't. I really hope <laughs> that Although Ticker I'm be maintains honest. its crown for the next. 35 films i'm gonna be oh just 35 i'm gonna be honest i'm a little disappointed i came here thinking oftentimes we are opposed on these and i thought maybe this i was like praying i was like oh maybe we're all gonna agree on this like can we just all agree on this and then based on what han said i don't think we agree on it i think oh we, we agree this was a terrible movie it was absolutely but, awful but you but said that I was you that you were like laughing the whole time. I was laughing the whole time. <laughs> I was, was not. So, I was bored, it was so bad. I was bored out of my mind. I was praying for it to end like oh, ten minutes. No, in. I kept, believe me. I kept checking how long I had left. Okay, this one went I, on for. It is. It is exactly an hour and a half long. It's like a, a minute or two less than what we usually get, and it's just unbearable. Because I okay bad. okay good. Because I, like last week, you know, Aaron and I kind of had a fun time, even though it was bad and Hans didn't. I was hoping that this would be the great unifier, that we would all <laughs> just hate this. It was boring. We wanted it to end. I think, I think Hans sounds a little more positive. So, you know that, what? But. Last week we talked about how I, I had just come off watching the Bourne series. Uh, yes. And then we watched, <laughs> what was last week's movie? I can't even remember the name. Last week's movie was The Foreigner. That's right. And I, I don't know. I think I, I was just in a different mindset. I think I was trying to take it a little too seriously, trying to understand what was going on in the movie, and that was my mistake. This yeah. week, I didn't do any of that. Didn't try to understand what was going on with the movie. Didn't try to analyze anything that happened. Didn't try and, like, just you know, wait, that sense. doesn't make sense. Yeah, I just, you know what? I just kind of sat back and let let the movie happen in front of me. And you know what? It was it was still terrible, mm. well, it's but like, I had uh, a better time watching it. It's like, uh, you know, you read about, like, uh, video games and stuff. People talk about, like, bullet hell video games and how, mm, like, yeah. after you play one for long enough, it just, like, becomes this zen, almost meditative experience. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Just so much states. stuff flying at you that you can So can't you're saying you entered the Steven absorb. Skull flow state. Yeah, time. I... <laughs> I found Zen. I was doing mental Tai Chi along with the just horrific overt Orientalism (laughs) 
going on in this movie. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty bad this time. I think this is truly like Steven Skull already, you know, even two movies in, he had his whole uh, acupuncture slash incense yeah. like treatment. So he's definitely yeah. leaned towards that Orientalism for a long time, but this is probably like the worst oh, it's definitely by far. the worst oh we get shaolin monks we get chinese laundry we get drug dealer like hard drug dealing chinese gangs we get a katana in the final act which is not chinese but whatever um <laughs> there is like because a... steven seagal is a fusion he is like a blend he is yeah. uh a nice mix He's of the pan i'm sorry i, I cracked my knuckle actors. like i literally held my knuckles up to the microphone i'm, I'm gonna have to do that mm. again because i i'm like wait, should we all, nice wait, in front of my microphone should we all do it at the same time should we all crack our knuckles and i can't at the same time you can't you can't i can't crack my knuckles okay wait i can't remember who it was i it might have been like the green brothers like john and hank green i remember seeing a video one time where these guys were on stage and they're like okay we're gonna have everyone in the audience crack their knuckles at the same time and it was the most viscerally I, disgusting noise possible i'm like, i'm confident i've told you this before i went to years ago i went to a bo burnham show and oh, saw him live and he had wow. the entire like live in the room he had the entire audience in his whole auditorium crack their knuckles all at once and it was the most gut-wrenchingly awful noise i have ever heard in my life Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> And it's crazy how we're finding any excuse not to talk about Steven Skull. Uh, <laughs> so let's, uh, Zach, can you hit us with that uh, plot? Oh, synopsis? the synopsis? Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> let's see if you can uh, figure <laughs> this one out. Well, okay, this one actually, I similarly, I kind of enter my flow state, like Aaron was saying, it's you know, in a bullet simple. hell. Yeah, yeah. Like, so, you know, the first step I of the bullet hell is. is that you're trying to hit stuff. The second, when you evolve in the bullet hell, you're like not even trying to hit stuff, you're just holding fire and like just knowing to dodge. The third step, you're like just following a pattern that you can just discern from it i very much this is the case like you know in the first time i think when we talk about like the first like four or five movies we're like trying to figure out the plot then like in the next couple ones we're like just trying to like you know know the main beats i think this point it's just we're we're in the flow <laughs> just got we're not the we're flow. not shooting we're not dodging we are just we whipping and weeping um okay steven seagal his name is not steven seagal his name is professor robert burns was it although <laughs> Because, <laughs> like, I, I'm trying to think. We've talked about how unmemorable these character yeah. names are. This might be the least memorable. I think so this far. is the least memorable. There was nothing one... stacks up to Gino Felino. No, I mean Gino Felino is going to be stuck in my head forever. Honestly, it's like Gino Felino because that name is funny, and like Casey Ryback, just because like he had those for like the two somewhat. Yeah, decent at least movies. we got two of those. Yeah. Uh, Nico Toscani. I think Nico Toscani. Uh... Nico Toscani. This one, I don't remember any character actually saying oh. his name. Mm, oh, someone says Burns. There's a, at one point they say, like, oh, Burns is a real pain in oh, our yeah, side like or something. The, but normally they call him the, uh, the oh, what do they refer to? It's It sounds almost like a made-up slur, but it's not really one. The, 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 the Guilo, Guilo? Yeah, it means the, Guilo the ghost. Professor? Or the ghost. Okay. I did not know what that translated to. Oh, okay. I see... It is a, a Cantonese slang term for Westerners. Okay. I was not familiar <laughs> with that. Um, although whether this type of usage is offensive is disputed by both Cantonese and Westerners. Interesting. Interesting. Um, so the like, Guaylo uh, professor. It's like gringo. Yeah. Guero. yeah. So Professor Robert Guaylo Burns is in <laughs> China. This is his specialty. He studies Chinese artifacts. Um, it's very interesting because this doesn't like we've seen in movies past. It's kind of weird. Like it does like 
flashbacks into flash forwards like it does like weird things this one kind of has a weird pacing but it's all taking place in real time he's there for a dig then he comes back home to accept an award and then he goes back out for a dig so i want to sure. say of all the movies i have the most notes on this one like i'm gonna hold really? my notes to the camera i wrote so much about this movie oh okay oh, we will let you get oh boy uh, and one of my notes is what is the chronology on all like he's traveling around the world like 10 times in this movie oh yeah that's the course of like a week and a half that's but something that i noted him. down too they're they bounce back and forth we'll get to it let's like, get well, to the synopsis also- i'm sorry well, and this is also, it's funny that you say that, though, because this is the one movie that, like, at the start of every scene, it tells you exactly where and exactly when it is taking place. Like, p.m. It's yeah, doing Thursday. this kind of, you know, military, they, like, this place, this time. I just was that. ignoring those. I don't care. No. I wasn't following those. But I would be interested if, like, somebody got, you know, for whatever godforsaken reason, had the will to do this, to actually put out a timeline of these things and see if it's even physically possible for them to be, like, at these, <laughs> I highly at doubt these different it. times. Dude, I don't would, think yeah, it can good. be. Because I remember like you said, this takes place over a weekend or something. Yeah, like, at the end of the movie, the jump between, like, the second to last and the last scene, it's like he goes from, I think he's in Paris, and then yeah. he ends yeah. up in uh, Massachusetts, like, yeah. eight hours later. Yeah, it's... and there's just no way, <laughs> unless he had a supersonic jet like gassed up and ready on the other side he... of the building he was in. He is effectively just teleporting from place to place, yeah. like, and I think you have to accept that. Yeah, um, and all it's all because he has to get revenge before his wife's funeral. Yeah, yeah. I guess well, yeah, we had really really a ticking there, clock, but, but let's. That's the that's the reason for the ticking clock. That only starts it's ticking a, like halfway through the movie, but it's like a completely <laughs> arbitrary one, like a deadline he just set for himself. It's not like anything happens after a funeral. It's just so he can say like I'm going to get my revenge before she's in the ground. That yeah. kind of thing. I'm well, sorry. I'm doing what I always his, yell at you for. He promises but to I appreciate his father-in-law. But anyway, we're still doing the plot synopsis. We're just jumping Wait. around. <laughs> Did you say he promises to his father-in-law? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I... At the funeral, right before he's attacked by the Shaolin monks? Wait, was that... I thought he was just making that promise to his assistant's father that was killed. Not his wife's father. No, his thought wife's he was just father. saying... What? What was that? That was his wife's, was his wife's father. Oh, I thought this was because his assistant is I killed, thought... and I thought he was like saying, I'll pledge, I'll, oh, you know, get rid of... well... Yeah, no, that was his assistant's father. You're right. You Are you sure? Old... Yeah. Um... Hold on, I'm gonna totally cheat. I'm straight up just gonna. Oh my god, no, the no, half no, of the description right. is just saying characters. <laughs> yeah, uh, his assistant Louis is killed. Okay, cool. Oh my god, I'm amazed that literally half of this, more than half of the Wikipedia description, is just like naming characters. Okay, anyway. there are a lot of characters in this movie. <laughs> kind of. Well, there are a lot of people on screen with names. Yeah, yeah, that's how I would, that's how I would describe it. Um, okay, so here we are about like two minutes into the movie. <laughs> okay, so he's at a dig site because he's an archaeologist, a professor of archaeology. Sure. He's whatever. Whatever, knockoff Indiana Jones. He's, you know, Ohio Jim. And he's out studying, <laughs> you know, Chinese artifacts. He specializes in the Han Dynasty, I believe he says. Um, he comes back to accept an award, the prestigious Winthrop Award. And then he goes back out on a dig. And there's some shady characters there. So they're using his artifacts, like shipments, to smuggle heroin, I believe. 
And there's a whole thing, yeah. like, he, they really emphasize, like, oh, he signed off and sealed it, and then a guy totally, like, breaks the seal, opens it, puts stuff in there, and closes it, but that's still incriminating because the signature's on it, I guess. Yeah, sure. Um, they try to make a run. They're getting chased by some bad dudes. Um, this isn't a very important thing, but something that stuck out in my head, it was very funny that Professor Robert Burns says, as they're him and his assistant are trying to make the run, he says, like, oh, are the keys in the Jeep? And then they get into a Toyota. I don't know why that stuck out in my head. <laughs> <laughs> yep. They're driving for the border. There's some very funny, like, three, like, early 2000s <laughs> model, like, bullets in slow motion, like, hitting oh, the back of their gosh. car. It's like when you I've, look up a YouTube tutorial on how to do, like, motion tracking, it, like, looks like one of those. I've compared these movies before to, like, an arcade shooting gallery game. And, like, Time Crisis or, like, the Terminator 2. Or, like, Time Crisis 2. Or, like, Time Crisis 2. Or we can just name more. Shooting or House of the Dead. Games. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that just, it looked like it was just a clip from one of those. Mm-hmm. But one of the bad ones. But one so of the bad, bad. ones. So bad. Um, his assistant on the site gets shot. Um, and they get to the border and are surrounded by, like, 50 DEA agents. And Robert Burns is arrested. He meets another prisoner, um, <laughs> and they talk for like two seconds. But he's going to get reference later. Okay, <laughs> I know. So we've already talked about the Orientalism, and we've talked yeah. in the past about Steven Seagal's racial sensitivities. This was pretty bad. Sensitivities. Yeah. This, this is pretty, pretty bad, bad all around. This is pretty yeah. bad. It like hasn't been this bad since probably Marked for Death. Yeah. Oh, I forgot about Marked for Death. That when was pretty raunchy, huh? When like every single person was like a voodoo witch doctor or something. Like, <laughs> yeah. This is so, pretty bad. Just for our dear listeners' context, there is one black character in this entire movie. <laughs> he is arrested by the Chinese police on the border of Kazakhstan because he was selling weed. Yeah. And he's with Steven Seagal for all of two seconds. Yeah. And, and he's going to get referenced in a completely dumb throwaway line and like then an hour later. Best friends. <laughs> and I don't even know if this is just the copy that we had, but I swear, like, there was like, it felt like an editing mistake. Like, I'd go back because their conversation just seemed to get cut off halfway through. Yeah. I don't know if that was just the yep. copy we had or. Okay. Okay. No, that happened to me too. No, that, I was there like, was a lot we... of that in this movie that the edit, it seemed like yeah. it was edited very poorly, but it well, really wasn't. Half of the dialogue was definitely recorded later. Oh, absolutely. Oh, that's one of my like. biggest points. I, I Yeah. So many. No, it's like a character there. kind of facing to the left and you don't see their mouth and they have a line of dialogue and they clearly were not talking. Like when it, It's not even that. It's like they, they specifically wait. They wait until the character is oh, not yeah. on screen, especially in the beginning during the dig scene. He's like, you'll, you'll see a shot of his face and then a shot of his partner's face and they don't say anything. They're in complete silence. And then it'll show a shot of the ground. And that as soon as it's, as yeah. soon as the shot changes does a wide to shot. look at the ground or a wide shot to look at the sky or something, that's when the dialogue happens. Cause it's all voiced in. It's like voiceover. And they later. do that the entire time. And it's so disorientating because it feels oh, awful. It feels almost like when you're watching a dubbed movie and like none of the dialogue lines up, but like, it's, well, that's not the case. <laughs> a lot of it looks like that too, because in the some places yeah. where it's like a, it's not a wide shot, but it's like, I guess it is a wide shot of them in the distance, and you can tell that their mouths aren't moving, or maybe they are moving, and they're not really moving with the words, but they're far enough away that they figured they could fudge it. Yeah, it just, it's so bad. Everything it about it, so, it's like a high Sonic school. One. It is like a high school quality movie, but yeah, I. <laughs> but so, this was like 
a real movie. After the last one, what was the last movie? The Foreigner. <laughs> the Foreigner. Um, my first note uh, for Out for a Kill. Oh, I'm sorry. My fourth note. I forgot. I wrote some other stuff uh, because we forgot that we started with this movie with a quote from Sun Tzu's Art of War. Yes. Um, not since no Arthur reason. Miller. Not since Arthur Miller has there been a worse like random opening of a what was that? Out for Justice. Oh, interesting. That Out for Justice had Ar- Arthur Miller out for a kill has Sun Tzu. Just like a random extraneous quote. Yep. At the beginning of the movie. I honestly didn't even notice. I must not have been paying attention. Uh, it doesn't matter. The the quotation: uh, "All war is based on deception," or "All war is based on the art of deception," something like that, which doesn't to apply do to the film. No, in any way. There's no deception. Not, he not says, "I am going to kill you and get revenge on you," and then kills them and gets revenge on them. <laughs> um. Anyway, oh, my like fourth note was: this is a significant <laughs> drop in production quality. I was surprised. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like how bad. Like it. It felt like I. Well, I actually looked up. I I went to Wikipedia. I looked up how much money they used to make this movie. It was fourteen million dollars. Oh, that's way too much. I money. find that hard to believe. I, there that's was some way, that's what Wikipedia says. This movie. <laughs> there was absolutely some kind of shady accounting going on. I think they were actually laundering money in this I, movie about laundering I money. So. I'm pretty sure that's the only reason Steven Seagal is still making movies. Well, I'm almost certain of it at this point the, in the year, you know, 20, you know, anything after like 2005, but but it's... i think it must have started here well because it's just even you compare this to the foreigner who which was also straight to video with the same exact director and it's like leagues different that one didn't even look great but we were somehow blessed with the production <laughs> values of that one compared yeah. to this one yeah anyway we're all the close-up 15 shots minutes of the guy into with the, the cigarette hanging out of his mouth <laughs> yes he ah uh, he reminded me of how that was, was i was so i was so upset because there was no character like that in this nope. movie i was hoping for some like saving grace something they, that would have made it kind of redeeming but there just wasn't no. they definitely tried that with like the two cops that are kind of follow the two agents that are con- kind of okay they but try not, to have some not really though. okay hold on wait hold on we are like 10 minutes in the movie let, let me let me finish the recap <laughs> yeah i'm sorry we're, so then got, we know what's we going gotta on. get through it okay have so fun they run this one <laughs> they're trying to flee get shot at assistant dies he's arrested and then the dea or fbi whoever basically says like okay the big guy in charge is the guy that's smuggling drugs the guy at the top of this we've been trying to get him for a while so let's just like even though we don't really believe fully believe he's innocent let's let seagal go let's let professor robert burns go back to america because he'll somehow like get us to you know this end point of finding the bad guy that we want um Okay, now I need it. He goes back to America. Um, yeah, because they're using him as bait. Uh, and then I think he just basically starts tracking down. So uh, they tracked really... him down. He went home to his wife. That's right. That's right. They, and they so... tracked him down at a restaurant. Yeah, and they basically say, "Hey, uh, just the, forget the, about the, us." The, the it's all saying, not the police. Oh yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Sorry, the yeah, the drug smugglers. And they say, hey, just like forget about us and we'll leave you alone. And Skull goes, okay, cool bet. And then they say, because if you don't, we will kill your dog, which I don't think we ever saw. <laughs> he doesn't that. have a dog. Nope, he didn't okay. have a dog. <laughs> I just want to make sure I didn't miss that. <laughs> we will kill your dog, we will kill you, and we will kill your wife. Mm. It was a very weird order. So I just remember yeah, so that order a, they said because, it. Was. And then we will kill your wife. Like, well, yeah. yeah. And I mean, so they, he, they said, that way just, you don't have to watch. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I guess. Your dog that doesn't exist, then you, then your wife. Um, and they said, like, okay, just forget about us. And, and 
Robert, Professor Robert Burns says, sure, okay, have a good one. And then they say that. So then he just starts punching all of them. Yeah. He just gets into a fight there. So it's on, like Donkey Kong. So, so they plan. So now they're going to try to kill him, his dog that doesn't exist, and his wife. Well, yeah, I guess. But they kill his wife first. They go out of order. They didn't follow this order they laid out. That's true. And the thing I do need to say, actually, that the whole time we're talking about this, we talk about the guy up top, like the, the cartel of these guys or whatever. There is a very, towards the beginning, a very flashy, stylish, headache-inducing <laughs> way where it introduces all of them. So oh it's literally it's, just like it's dudes. It's so long. <laughs> it's 11 dudes sitting at a table. And if you might think, oh, there's like 11 dudes that are, they're going to introduce like the main three and then everyone else who kind of meet along the way. No, each no. one gets like a close-up. And what is it? Like literally like a name, like a like the area pause. they run, and their hobby, their favorite hobby. <laughs> like, it's not yeah, even it's... like their name where they like where they operate out of and like what their main operation is. It's like their name where they operate out of and then just like a fun fact. <laughs> like yeah. this guy likes French restaurants. They're literally doing icebreakers here with these guys. <laughs> yeah, and they pause they like pause it with the, the like freeze frame while they have the typewriter takes style information go over. <laughs> and it takes way too long and it goes and over each that. and every one Ten of them. Times. All of them. It literally feels almost like uh if you've ever played the games like No More Heroes, it almost feels like you're playing one of those games that's designed around like boss fights. Mm-hmm. Like Metal Gear Rising or No More Heroes. Like these are just all the different bosses that you will then like fight for the next like 10 hours. And that's yeah. It's. I like the idea. Good setup. Horrible Terrible execution. execution. <laughs> Horrid. <laughs> because it's these characters that do not matter. That you. He fights them all. Like he kills them all throughout the movie. But you don't even know. Like it doesn't matter which one he's fighting. It's not yeah. like the thing they run is relevant or their hobbies are. Re- like legitimately, I'm not even joking when it says that. Like <laughs> this guy loves French restaurants. This guy is that known to hire weird out. assassins. Like that could factor in the plot. Like half of them could theoretically factor in the plot. Like, this guy only works with gunmen, but the other half are, like, what it, like, loves, uh, you know, German expressionist films or something. Like, completely unrelated hobbies. They're, like, dating <laughs> profiles for each of these guys. Like, it's your swipe through on Tinder. Oh, he lives, he controls this part, and, ooh, he loves dogs. He loves well, it's like, dogs. it's like the writers, of whom there were three on this, um, <laughs> like, one of whom is uncredited. Um <laughs> it's like the writers like sat down and thought okay let's have like each of them have a thing and then they got like four guys down the list and decided are are we doing 10 we're doing 10 of these oh yeah there's three of us writing this we need to do at least 10 bad guys i can't think of 10 things (laughs) i make them all relevant to the plot (laughs) the thing is it almost feels like they're trying to do like a kill bill like trying to go for yeah. like kind of a kill bill like all of these villains are like super cool and unique and like you know iconic and you remember them yeah. but this movie came out two months before the first kill bill oh my god oh really so it, man kill bill executed on damn. that premise a heck of a lot better yeah, you actually remember <laughs> lucy Liu's assassin character like she's cool well because anyway. they're like each individual and unique characters this it's just they're generic mob there's boss nothing a generic about mob them boss b interesting no like, um, no, and they, they all, all, they all give do in, have like, unique tattoos for some yes, reason. Yes, they all have like one line of like a kind of phrase, like what, like two or three words from this phrase Ancient that will Chinese become important cryptography. later. That isn't cryptography. It's just he kills them in the right order, gets the words from their wrist, and it spells out a phrase. But it's just it's just a riddle. <laughs> <It's> no. Like... <laughs> okay. Anyway, we're really we're really bad at doing the plot on this one. We are, but so I think that's okay. Was the movie? We're that's doing true. we're doing the plot in the same way that the movie that's fair did the that's movie like it's 
So these 11 douchebags all want to kill Seagal. And so he just kind of kills each of them. Well, so they blow up his house. They kill his wife. It is a very, very bad home explosion. Oh like, gosh. it just looks awful. Um, the house is it was 100% fake. Like, if you look back oh, at the picture gosh. of the house and the garage beside the house, that looks like looks like it was made of cardboard. Like, this is a little a miniature set <laughs> wait, okay. that they blew up. No, I, I'll wait. I'll wait for later. Get through the plot, and then I want okay. to talk about the miniatures. Okay. <laughs> We find out at some point that Professor Burns, before he was a professor, he was a thief of Chinese artifacts. Like a cat burglar. Um, and he was in prison for this, and that's when he got his degree. But I don't understand this. He got his archaeology degree while in prison, and then he changed his name. So I kind of wonder why, like, you, you got your degree, but then you changed your name. Like, wouldn't the degree be in the old name? So did you also have to, like, fake the degree? And then why did you have to get the degree in the first place? Just fake the degree? I... One of my notes on this movie is the most unbelievable thing about this film is that someone got a PhD and a job right out of the American prison system. Right? Honestly. <laughs> and then he's like the most prestigious professor in the world that talks about how great he is. Um, Even well, though he, he has, has no resume. <laughs> older than eight years. Right. And um, I think this is the first one where he doesn't have a CIA background. He, yeah, no, I don't think he has any because he was a thief and then he's the professor. He doesn't have any kind of CIA, well, FBI, he was, DEA. He wasn't just a thief. He was a world-renowned capitalist oh, burglar who went by the code name <laughs> The Ghost because and just, he was so subtle. And just try to picture him to a place and leave as a sneaky cat burglar. <laughs> picture him like repelling, waddling down, his like, way, <laughs> the way he just walks into rooms and starts punching guys indiscriminately. <laughs> um, and but like that's literally the movie. But then this, that's the rest of the like movie is he just kills 10 guys and then he gets to the, the head guy and he's like, you sent them all after me one by one, knowing they would fall just so you could have a bigger share to yourself. Like, okay, Aaron. but like, <laughs> I'm so Aaron's mad about face this. just got really red. <laughs> I'm so mad about this. I'm so mad about this. <laughs> okay. Because that could have been movie, a cool so movie. So you might as well go ahead. <laughs> That could have been a cool movie. Like, okay. uh, I wrote in my... Okay, I wrote, like, a lot of notes for this. Oh, well, real quick. Um, He throws a katana to cut the dude's head off <laughs> while the guy's outside, like, waiting for a limo, and the limo just drives off without him. That was very funny. And what's... There's something after that, after he kills... Oh, he opens the guy's safe using the riddles he got from the tattoos in each person's arm. Inside the safe is just, like, all the evidence they need. So... He's killed everybody, like all 11 guys in charge of this, but then he still goes and he finds uh, Officer Tommy Ling to give this evidence to, so she can do her job. Oh, oh by the way, her partner died. There were, Yeah, there were these two like DEA agent officer people that were following a lot, just kind of one step behind Seagal the whole time, like Carmen Sandiego, and just being like, oh boy, he really killed these guys here. And then, you know, going to the next place, they're the ones who arrested him at the beginning. Um, the dude dies, but the gal lives, and now she has all the evidence to take him down. So, okay, yeah. that's the movie. Roll credits. <laughs> okay, Offensive thing I wanted to place. talk about. Okay, go Because ahead. there was, like, once again, there was a cool movie concept somewhere in here that they just decided to not do, to mention in the movie. <laughs> let's not do that. Let's do this other, way less interesting thing. <laughs> so, I said, okay, and one of my notes is, so the final confrontation reveals... What could have been a cool concept that the villain knows that his henchmen will die, so he sends them after the hero one by one instead of all at once. He has ten of these guys who all have their own like private armies, and instead of just saying, "Okay, let's coordinate and like get this guy," which would have been really really easy 
at a hundred different moments in this movie. He sends them each out one at a time to try and kill Steven Seagal. Um, and so a cool concept, which is mentioned at the end of the movie, but not acted upon at all, is that the, the leader does that intentionally so that he can like consolidate the well, crime entire under Professor himself. Professor Robert Burns posits that he did this intentionally. I don't know if the guy actually confirms that. No, I think the, the head Does he say guy is just like, kind oh. of a bumbling idiot. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> much more interested in having like riddles and smoking and cigars with his friends. Making each of his subordinates <laughs> tattoo one portion of a riddle onto their wrists for some reason. That opens yeah. the safe that has the evidence against him. Oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> sure, whatever. As you do. Because yeah. he's a video game do. villain. He's not like an actual <laughs> right. person. No, these are literally like you get collectibles from each boss fight and you need those to like it get like very... the... It's like you need that to get the good ending. Like you'll def- you can defeat the boss without it, but you need you need all those to get the good ending. Well, throughout the whole it movie, is. I kept thinking this feels like a video game. Like he'll just com- like gaming. Seagal will just comment on stuff around him. Like, oh, I better go check that out. Like he's giving hints to the player. I need to, to like go over and oh, look at this desk. Or puzzle. Oh, I need to. I honestly, puzzle. I didn't even really think about it like that. But now that you start, now that you say it, it makes perfect sense. Oh, that can't like, quite this do movie that. is basically oh, that. I can't quite do that. Oh, I can't quite do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, like one of the guys, one of the mob bosses that he kills, who uh, he like confronts him, and then the mob boss runs away and runs immediately to his safe house, which is just like an open warehouse with no doors, and <laughs> like he runs in, in there. Uh, Seagal kills him, and then just looks around, and there is laying on the mob boss's desk, just open, like a record of all of their crimes. <laughs> oh yeah and, like the key to the ancient riddle which opens the safe that contains all the final evidence i can like literally <laughs> just imagine the like pickup animation <laughs> and it just like disappears and is in his inventory and then you can like pan around on the on the catalog there mm. um it's like oh because as he's translating it there's a scene later where, like he's sitting in an apartment or something like a hotel room or something and he's translating it and he's translating it out loud like he's saying, oh, this is a reference to this ancient Chinese general who came up with this specific form of cryptography. Like, it's really weird. Very L.A. Very noir. Strange. I'm picturing him with his notebook. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I'm going to be honest. I actually so much of this. Mo- I just watched this movie like within the last few hours earlier today, and I've already yes, forgotten yeah. so much of this. Like I think whenever it whenever I said like oh and then he just like kills the ten guys it's because that's like fifty minutes of the movie that I just don't remember. Except what each one is the same. It's except the same at one point he's fighting he's fighting a guy and he like throws the guy against the wall and the dude just starts climbing on the wall like a spider <laughs> and nobody else does anything weird like that. It's just there's this one guy. One, yeah, there's like one wire fight in this movie yeah. in a barber shop, which was kind of cool for like a minute. Yeah. He straight uh, up just becomes the fear from Metal Gear Solid 3, and then, like, it's over. Yeah. I was. Th- I think... It looked like a scene out of the X-Men movie, like the first X-Men mm-hmm. movie is what it felt okay. like to me. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I see what you mean. Mm-hmm. My biggest takeaway from this movie, the, the one thing that I sort of captured from every single part, of, from beginning to end, I guess two things that kind of roll into the same thing. One... How in the world is Steven Seagal the best actor in this movie? <laughs> They're all terrible. Every single one of them was just awful. Oh gosh, and he I was think... also awful 
but I think he was the best of them, and that's so depressing. I'm actually amazed because I think yeah. while watching this, I saw the worst moment of acting in any Seagal movie, and it wasn't Seagal himself. No. Um, it was his wife, uh, the woman who oh. plays Maya. I don't, I don't even want to say the actress's name because I'm not trying to drag her. Like she was in a terrible movie. She was, you know, a terrible movie, and with a terrible part in a terrible, with a terrible movie. part. Like, so I don't even want to say this is her good opportunities here. So I'm not even gonna like put her in blast here. But just when Seagal gets home at one point and she says oh i'm so glad you're back i missed you and then just takes her dress off so her her boobs are out and then they hug but seagal like refuses to do more than like halfway engage in a hug like with his arms at his side like still fully dressed in his jacket inside yeah. his house because that's how this that's happens romance. in every movie yeah that's Is how he remains Seagal fully conveys close. emotion but her delivery was all pretty, oh, pretty awful. I'm well, sorry. In, but her I, defense, in her defense, in her defense, I'm her looking defense. at her IMDb page. I'm not going to say her name again. Yeah. Uh, but she's she is native Hungarian, and she does seem to have had a fairly like she's still making movies and stuff now. Good. Just, it's all in Hungarian. That's awesome. So I don't know how popular any of these movies or TV shows that she's in. Like she was in 23 episodes of some TV show that I am not even going to attempt to pronounce. Um, so that's true. This was probably not her native language. Like it's, no. it's well, she awful. was and also if, in an episode of if, CSI. Why was every like I think everyone has been there in the Super one Mario Brothers movie of CSI. Or CSI. One of the two. Uh, and if you were in, even if you were the world's best actor, if you were in a scene with Steven Seagal where you had to take your shirt off and he and like hug him. I think <laughs> you wouldn't do that good of a job either. But no. I'm just saying, from not doing too much research, she seems to be doing okay. Also, That's I would good. I would absolutely 100% support it if she like got the script and was like, okay, I am like kind of similar to like the ending monologue of like the theatrical cut of Blade Runner. She's like, I am phoning this in as hard as I can. I am letting you know that I think <laughs> this is boring garbage trash. I'm going to go with that theory, actually, that it was on purpose. She's like, yeah. okay. I'm giving this movie exactly what it deserves. Yeah. So it's it's that everybody in this movie was a, was worse than Steven Seagal, which just so was so. such a bummer. Well, to be but I mean, than to that, be fair, he like wrote the movie around himself, and he's still not great. <laughs> That's true. Oh, he no, has like, every advantage here, and he is still barely better than anyone he, else in the he movie. He gives himself every advantage possible. Like uh, we talked about, like the barbershop fight with the wire fighting. He begins the wire fight sitting in a barber chair. <laughs> like the first several action beats of that yeah. fight he's just he's sitting down just flailing his arms in front of yeah. himself they literally yeah. wrote a movie for him and just barely he ekes out a performance slightly better than anyone else in there so let's let's acknowledge that that's no I, i'm not I, I, you're absolutely right it just was one of those things that i you know halfway through this movie i had this realization that he was somehow the best actor in this one yeah. and it was so upsetting to me but more than that kind of along the same lines Everything that happens in this movie, every single, every single beat, everything, no one conveys any emotion at all. No. <laughs> They're all straight-faced. No. His I... wife dies? Oh, man, that's a bummer. Guess I gotta go kill everybody to get revenge. Like, it, it, there, no one has any emotion in, in, in anything. I think worth pointing out is the fact that nobody has any emotion and also, or possibly because, or like, because of this, or, you know, I don't know, one causes the other, however this works. No, like, 
no line that any character says appears to really directly connect to the one before or after it. It feels like <laughs> a lot of people saying things in a vacuum, and you're like, I guess that was kind of a scene, but no one's actually <laughs> responding to anything. Like someone That's will say something they were all done in voiceover, and then well somebody else shot. Yeah, I mean probably. But somebody will say something and then somebody will say something, but somebody is not saying something like to somebody because of what they just said. So yeah. I think they literally yeah. like it's almost uh like I'm picturing like the way they have like sometimes like voiceover artists do video games where they're just given a list of like 50 lines with zero context. And it's just like, these are just the things we need recorded. Just say these things, but you don't know the line that was said before it. So you're just like, oh, I need to get revenge. But am I sad? Am I angry? Am I determined? Like oh. you don't have any of that information. Speaking like I wouldn't which, be surprised if that's what happened. We've totally skipped like the the narration. There's a narrator in this movie at the beginning and just like randomly sprinkled throughout and then at the very end am i completely blanking on this uh, so it's the, the yeah the, the lady detective agent, tommy right? yeah uh, who i definitely thought her partner was just giving her some sort of racist nickname no the character's name is tommy um wasn't really i yeah. swear the whole time i was thinking he <laughs> was, was gonna oh he's actually a bad guy or something i was assuming there had to be some kind of interesting twist there no it's just like two kind of vaguely incompetent agents that are following Seagal around the whole time for no reason yep nope and uh, every time just... they show up to his like the scene of the crime well after he's already been there and they say man what a mess this guy really knows how to leave a mess i don't know <laughs> okay except my, they... my favorite one i can't remember the exact context i forget which one it happened for but tommy she says like oh should we like do something like i don't know she says something like oh should we do this should we do that should we like do something and the other guy ed i guess is his name he goes nah forget it it's chinatown and that made me so I mad just... <laughs> they like don't. they just wrote the most egregious <laughs> chinatown reference so in this awful. movie they said that and i said he says movie. forget it tommy it's chinatown <laughs> this movie so hard i hate this movie <laughs> that made me legitimately mad but i i don't so have any other notes i actually forget this yeah there's this narration and sure. okay so the the actress who plays tommy which i don't want to drag her either i mean english is not her first language um bad movie bad direction bad movie bad direction nothing's in anybody's favor here she was just like handed she reads it like she was just handed a sheet with words on it and told was. read these words and that that was the only direction it i don't think like anyone got, got a script i think people just yeah. got a series of disconnected lines they had to say yeah you're pro honestly you're probably that's right. the only explanation for the delivery it of where the flow because all she comes just... back to being like a video game where they're just reading off a script with alone in a sound booth not talking to anybody because she just literally just says the words like yeah she gives it the most general inflection that she can because what are you going to do Boy, you sure are the best at what you do. Yeah, <laughs> it's like I that. never met a man like him before. Yeah, or again, <laughs> and then the movie ends. Like I don't. <laughs> like really what was is, she supposed it, to do? <laughs> I completely forgot that there was a voiceover to this. It really is like Harrison. There's an, like it's like Blade Runner. Runner. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um. Oh, the miniatures. Oh, I said I was going to talk about the miniatures. We haven't oh, talked about the miniatures. Yeah, sure. So there are several miniatures. Watching how the miniatures are used in this movie really makes me appreciate how miniatures are used in other much better movies. Mm, okay. Uh, like how in... Okay, say all that you want about David Lynch's Dune. 
the miniature and i will thank movie. you thank you for inviting me to do so <laughs> i have honestly much... hey uh uh you know welcome to arrakis this is the dune welcome fan back. podcast it's, it's just me and zach i know hans probably welcome to it. david lynch did nothing wrong except for the 1974 version of dune um the david lynch fan cast <laughs> uh, why would you think i would have something against dune i don't uh, why have you oh sorry 1984 jesus not 1974 oh my goodness have you watched or read dune i haven't read it i've watched i've watched the new one i didn't watch the oh original. you need to watch the david lynch dune you don't, um, I don't know i liked i liked the new one and i don't i've heard oh, i've heard mixed things about the old one it's um I don't know. I've, I, okay, I'm not so I'm going to talk it. about. I'm, I'm going to talk about one of the very few parts of David Lynch's Dune that I really, really okay. do like. Okay. The miniature work is immaculate. Yeah. Okay. Like he does incredible things with forced perspective and things, and I think in this movie, Out for a Kill, you see where that can go horrifically wrong. <laughs> because at so at the beginning of the movie, after like the opening super slow mo for no reason monologue narration. Where they're like walking through the club and they see all the dead people and they have like oh, yeah. flashbacks oh, to I stuff that they about didn't that. see. Yes, yeah, so that's how that the movie didn't have anything to do starts. with any of the rest of the movie. Well, it did because that. I, okay. So I was waiting for that to come back up because it looked like so at the beginning of the movie, like as the narration is going, which we also skipped. So there's a narration at the beginning <laughs> as Tommy Apparently. is like narrating the events of the movie about to happen. She and her partner, uh, whose name in this movie is, is Ed. 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 Uh, Tommy and Ed uh, are like walking around this nightclub in Eastern Europe somewhere. Um, and like everyone's they, I dead. Like the, it's always Eastern Europe. It's never yeah. any specific place. It's either Paris, China, or quote unquote Eastern, Eastern Europe. Europe. <laughs> Just uh, they're walking around. And they're like looking at all the you know, the bodies and stuff, and they're trying to figure out what's going on. Um, and then right after that, it goes to China near the Kazakhstan border. And you have like this long pan over to like an ancient Chinese tomb, except I like the scale of everything is way off because you're looking at something. It's like this head buried in the sand and it looks like, you know, it should be about the size of a human head. And then the camera turns and you're seeing like a little doorway and you see Steven Seagal there like standing like in the doorway like doing archaeology on the other side of the door <laughs> doing the and best he looks archaeology like, in the world <laughs> like he, he he looks like like a little fairy or something like he's like <laughs> like he's a little pushian or something like he's uh, he's just like this tiny guy <laughs> It, it didn't make like it didn't make any spatial sense so whenever there's a miniature and so we, we already mentioned like the house when it gets blown up he's like standing outside uh between the garage and the house with a flashlight looking around because like car alarms and stuff are going off so he's like oh something's going on and it just looks like he's tiny like mm-hmm. they used like a tilt shift camera you know to make it normal things look miniature it didn't look like it was a miniature that was made to look normal it looked like a normal house that they use camera tricks to make it look like a miniature. Mm. And it really took me out of it. It was just bad. Uh, and yeah. then the house blew up and I was really out of it because it looked like they just <laughs> like, I know this wasn't possible at the time, but just importing like after effects, whatever the standard flame effect is. <laughs> <to like hit laughs> they they went to pack. the unity store yeah. and bought a, bought a flame pack. 
Yeah. The the amount of like really bad green screen yeah. in mm. this movie. Well also okay, so I have a I have a question for Aaron. Yeah. So looking at the editing of this movie, I think last time uh-huh. you made a good point about it would do these like weird, these like super fast cuts, do 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 and then like a guy would get shot and you pointed out that yeah. it was like in relation to a character's anger, like the kind of internal feelings acting irrationally. Yeah. It does doesn't happen as often this time, but there's definitely some times where it's doing that to like an even worse degree. Like it's cutting between things that are in the same place and also just like randomly to the guys like in their, you know, evil douchebag boardroom, like the eleven dudes sitting there. Yeah. I can't remember exactly <laughs> when it happened. It's towards the end, there's like some fight or something, and it's just doing these rapid cuts. Did you find any reason why it does that other than just to be like flashing obnoxious and give me a headache? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it was meant to so here's when I was watching that. It's near the end of the movie that this happens. Yeah. And it's like, you can tell, it's at the time of the movie where, like, you're supposed to be gearing up to, like, the final bad guy. And the final bad guy has, like, this really short, like, he has this moment, like, a Thanos moment, where he's like, fine, I'll do it myself. Uh, He goes out like a chump in the end of the movie, unlike Thanos. Oh, oh, Um, it's awful. It's really bad. Um, But he has, like, his Thanos moment, fine, I'll do it myself. And then we get into the end of the movie, and there's, and then there's, like, this rapid montage of like basically the movie up to this point. Uh and it's so I think what it's supposed to signal to the audience is that it's like a it's a summary of everything that's happened so far in the movie and how it led to this point. The problem is that the script is so bad that all of those moments that it points to which should be leading to the final climax don't. They just don't. There's not a story here. It's just Steven Seagal bumbling around the world and happening to run into the people who are tangentially related to the murder of his wife and then killing them. Like, okay. there's not... <laughs> it I'm... would work if there were a solid through line for the movie. Like, if he is going from person to person, there's like, as each of the mob bosses dies, he says, like, the name and location of the next mob boss. But there's not, like, an actual investigation going on. There's, no. There's not, no. like... He, well, it's, it's not, not like a Le Noir. He does, he does kind of at the end after he kills each one of the big bad guys. They, he does kind of name the next person, but only in a weird interrogation thing. Where after he gets to the the next mob boss and he fights all their guys and then chases them to wherever they need to go to in their like office in the warehouse with all their evidence cleanly stashed all over their desk. He then fights them almost kills them, interrogates them, and they always give up the answer to the next to where the next guy is. Immediately. And then he kills them, and then he moves on. So it's kind of there. I did a bad job explaining that, but it's it's well, kind not, of there, but not really. But so what, yeah, so like, there is, you're right in that there's like, the way the movie is structured is that there's, there are basically ten fight scenes. There's a fight scene, Steven Seagal finds one of the guys who's responsible, chokes him out, and then gets the information about where the next guy is, and he goes to that location, and then he has a fight scene. Repeat that ten times. That's the movie. Yeah. yeah. Um, the problem is, and also random scenes of these investigators like kind of trying to do their own part of the investigation, <laughs> but along. having like nothing to do with it. No, yeah. they're just they're following. Not, none him of them around. are like capped. None of them have any kind of like solid beginning and end. They just flow right into one another. Yeah, it's the movie's doing tai chi. And it, it really bothers me, uh, like really amateurish Tai Chi, because there's no flow like first here. First time attending Tai Chi in the park, Tai Chi, where you're like, oh, this is a, oh, and then, oh, oh this is a move? Okay. <laughs> um, because, like, 
in a more competent film, he would have some way of discovering the name of the next guy. Or like he would uh so let's let's do this is my fan rewrite of Out for a Kill. Um <laughs> He discovers the riddle early. Like he discovers the riddle early. What's let's keep the stupid yeah. like story. By the way, this riddle each... it's like a crane flies above the water and because there is danger below. Yes. Um, yeah, that's the something like that. And what what a riddle. Whatever. Um it doesn't matter. You can make it whatever you want. Uh and so let's keep the stupid story convention of each of the ten mob bosses has a part of the riddle tattooed on their arm. That's dumb, but it we know what kind of movie this is. It can have that dumb thing. That's fine. <laughs> so in my rewrite, he figures out the riddle at the beginning of the movie. And so he figure he's trying to figure out which of the phrases of the riddle is responsible for his wife's murder. Um and he's not really trying to take down the mob. He's just trying to find which of them uh, is responsible for his wife's murder. And so he's going around and he has to find one, interrogate him, and then just he ends up killing all of them, searching for his wife. That at least would have structurally worked. It does The movie does that, but backwards. Like, he doesn't even know that there's a riddle until we're like three quarters of the way through the movie. Mm-hmm. He's I just don't... like reading tattoos on guys' wrists being like, huh, that's weird. Okay. That's weird. And then he tries to like find the next guy. I don't know how he, like, I watched this whole movie and I know that, I I pray that this information is in the movie and I just missed it because it was buried under a thousand <laughs> quick edits. Truly but death how by does, a thousand cuts. I, like literally I don't. It's cuts. death by a thousand cuts. I don't know how he knows the name of the next guy. I remember like, how, like twice a person saying, "Oh, it's this guy's name," but I don't think I don't remember him doing that for every guy. No, so like he he keeps asking because he's looking for the guy who's responsible for his wife's death, mm-hmm. who is named. Wait, I'm gonna find it. Silo. Oh, Silo. Yeah. Silo is responsible for his wife's death except he has to fight through like nine guys to get to him but i don't know why like why doesn't he i don't know how he knows that it's silo i watched this whole movie i'm not gonna watch it again uh absolutely not i think i know if i I miss what did i miss please tell me what i missed thank you because i need the key to unlock this movie at, at one point pretty early on the um tommy Tony? Yeah, Tommy. What was her name? Tommy. Tommy, Tommy. sorry. Tommy with an IE. Okay, cool. I'm, I'm sorry. I can't, I can't remember all no, these characters. Good. No, they're like other um, characters. It's okay. At some point along the line, she shows up and talks to him for like the first time because they're, they're keeping back, trying to keep their distance and let him be the bait. Yeah. At one point, she talks to him and he like essentially apologizes for making him the bait and getting his wife killed. And she says she'll do whatever she needs to to help him and she gives him some information on the mob boss i think that's when it happens okay that, oh, okay that has to be good but that, i hope that's it again i answered my flow saying i'm just like okay he bumped into the next guy because that's what the movie wants him to do like it feels random yeah oh it definitely it does. Al- almost a bit like uh a movie that actually does this, like, does that actually that same thing, but, like, better on purpose, like, Scott Pilgrim versus the world. It just feels yeah. like he's just kind of minding those business. He's like, oh, maybe I'm going to go home and, like, you know, jerk off and play video games. And then somebody's like, ah, oh, I am your swarm enemy. Time to fight. And he's like, who are you? 
Yeah, like, one of the it, evil exes shows up and like it feels like that, but not on purpose. Yeah. Well, because uh, I could have been watching Scott Pilgrim. <sighs> oh my gosh! Welcome to Scott's Pilgrimage, the Scott Pilgrim fan cast. Oh, that was a good one. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Welcome to Edgar's Always Right, the Edgar Wright fan cast. Today, I'm talking about Copa versus the world. There. Had to have my own. There you go. Um, but like, okay, let's because okay, whoa, you just like really unlock something in my brain because <laughs> I'm glad. <laughs> Scott Pilgrim versus the world and out for a kill have a, a similar. Oh my gosh, you need to see Scott Pilgrim. Yeah. It's actually my dad loves that movie. Really? Um, yeah, <laughs> I was not expecting that when he told me. He loves uh, the like the the whiny like twenty three year old Canadian loser. It's got good movie. music and the fight scenes are cool. Okay, um, yeah, that works. That's enough. If that's enough for him, that's enough for me. Yeah, um, he also loves like Wes Anderson movies. Loves them. Um, yeah, I know. <laughs> My dad's cool. <laughs> no, no, but he also likes. Above no arguing the, that. But he also likes Above the Law. <laughs> yeah. Well, but we explained, you know, back in also, unfortunately, the time that it came out. And also, unfortunately, Aaron likes above the law, so. Wait. <laughs> what, what, what is it they say about apples falling from trees? Anyway, go ahead. It's a slander. Um, <laughs> but anyway, Scott Pilgrim and Out for a Kill kind of do have, like. The same general structure? The same general conceit. Yeah. Uh, that there's some sort of, there's a girl, and there's something about the girl which causes the guy uh, who is in some relationship to the girl to have to fight a series of bad guys. There's a big bad who's in charge of it that he doesn't even learn about until like seven tenths of the way through the movie. And like, yeah. he just ends up accidentally working his way towards because he keeps stumbling into all the other minions. Yeah. Yeah. No, actually it's very, so, uh, Ooh, this is so, uh, the new segment that we discovered, yeah. uh, last week, my movie recommendation, oh, no, I have so I'm many gonna, for this. I'm going to steal it from Zach instead of watching this movie, watch any other movie. But if yeah. you're going to watch a movie that has like a similar sort of story conceit, watch Scott Pilgrim versus the world by Edgar Wright. Yeah, no, luckily you introduced <laughs> that little segment just in time. The like, what should you watch instead of this movie? Because I have so many for this one. Like you said at, at the beginning, that whole like gun, like uh, gun shootout in the club scene mm-hmm. that I completely forgot about. When we were watching last week's movie, it was kind of like, oh, this is a little weird. I'm trying to figure out what this movie is trying to be. I started watching this a minute in. I'm like, oh, this is trying to be like hard boiled. This is trying to be like any John Woo film. I know what this movie mm-hmm. wants to be right away. And then it transitions to him doing the dig, and I'm like, no, it's trying to be the mummy. It's trying to be the mummy now, starring <laughs> Brendan Fraser. And then, like, it transits, and, and I lost. I'm like, I don't even know what this movie's trying to be anymore. It turns out it's trying to be Scott Pilgrim before Scott Pilgrim even existed. But while I was watching this, I'm like, okay, no, instead of watching this, you should, I'd much rather be, slash, you should instead watch any John Woo film. Hell, I'll even give you Mission Impossible 2 if you want. If you should be watching <laughs> The Mummy or The Mummy Returns, probably not Scorpion King. Actually, Scorpion King is probably still better than this. I'm watching, I'm just like, you should be, like, I was thinking of so many. Again, while talking about it here, comparing how video game it is, you know what? It's not even a movie, but instead of watching this, you should just play No More Heroes or Metal Gear Rising, like these, like, boss rush video games. You yeah. have a much better time with any of those. So I, you, you can steal, you can have Scott Pilgrim, because I have, like, 50 other movies you should be watching <laughs> instead of this. Yeah. What about you, Hans? I t- I timed it, by the way. That beginning shootout goes from... Actually, I didn't time it. I have time stamps. You'll have to help me with how much time it actually takes. But 3 minutes, 41 seconds to 4 minutes, 37 seconds. So that's almost... Al- just, just under a minute. Almost a solid minute of no reloading. Just like 10 mob guys constantly shooting Uzis into a room full of slow motion dying people. Oh, it's it goes on forever. 
it's like it goes on for uh, less than a minute doesn't sound like a long time but when you're watching it felt mob like, guys get shot in a club it's a really long time it felt like three <laughs> I or four minutes halfway through this i'm like oh we're still here okay and then i like, it was started just, just like spacing again the only sound you hear is bullets like it's yeah. It's just gunfire for a solid 30 seconds at least. It felt like yeah. three minutes. No, I'm not even it's, kidding. It's a really long Half time. the runtime of this movie, I was just kind of spaced out staring at the wall like next to the TV. I'm not even going to lie. <laughs> and I remember like spacing out and then spacing back in like partway through that gunfight that you're describing. Because then I was like just thinking about like Stranglehold. Like... <laughs> The only reason I noted down the timestamps was because I I was watching I had this up on my like top monitor and I was watching this while I was uh I don't remember what I was doing I was doing something else just to get done out of the way so I could finish watching this stupid movie. Yep. I started yep. it I had Same. that up and after like a solid thirty seconds I tuned back in I thought wait we're still yep. listening yeah. to shooting so I had to rewind it and get the timestamp for when it started and then I sat and watched it all again paid attention to it until that it oh, when it ended and it you. was so long. Yeah, no, and legitimately, I'm not even kidding. I I was, like, doing email while watching this. I was, like, just scrolling Twitter. I was doing, like, everything, like, I could other than, like, watch this movie. So, admittedly, if I really, truly did the theatrical turn-the-lights-off-the-phone-away experience, maybe I'd remember it better. But, like, I did what I had to do to survive. And that wasn't I will not worth apologize. it for this one. <laughs> I will make no apologies. The I'm first 15 minutes I'm of this survivor. movie, I was eating dinner. I was, like, cutting into a chicken, really trying to get yes. all the meat off that bone because... <laughs> that opening sequence just took forever. So long. It did. There are. It did, and it had nothing to do. I please tell me. You said earlier that it had something to do with the rest of the movie. As far I as was I hoping saw, it would. that opening sequence had nothing to do with because the rest they of the go movie. back please to that nightclub like two more times in the movie. I think it's and they do. I think yeah. it just like establishes that Ed and Tommy are kind of on the case. Like, but it's given a timestamp like Sunday, and then the next timestamp every lo- is like a Tuesday. Steven Seagal's character, like sitting on the toilet, like reading <laughs> the back of the shampoo bottle, has a location timestamp. It doesn't matter. Well, no, in my brain, in my brain, that shootout was on whatever day because it doesn't give dates. It just says what day of the week it is when yeah. something happens. Yeah. So like yeah. the things could be if separated. They expect by me months. to remember and connect these things to each other as if they matter. You have another thing coming, movie. Uh, like it they also didn't those those scenes or the whatever the the bit in the middle there where they flash up what yeah. day of the week it is yeah. it's on there for like a, a quarter of a second and then it's gone <laughs> you gotta like i didn't even have time like <laughs> i i if i wasn't really paying attention i'd miss it i'd see it up there but i wouldn't have actually read what day of the week it was and be like oh well i guess it's wednesday maybe i don't know but it'll just say like eight thirty tuesday and in kazakhstan <laughs> but like it won't say what the date is eastern europe i yeah, really almost is. need a timeline of like the first thing that happens and the last thing that happens so with, like three lines for like each location eastern europe yeah. paris and america and like just who is where doing what like so what i thought was going on at the beginning of the movie when it just gave a timestamp with no date and just the day of the week i thought oh it's all the same week mm-hmm. and we went back earlier in the week so there's the shootout at the beginning of the movie and you, then the oh, next I'm going to stop you. You already put so much more thought into this than I did. Like, it came up with, like, the, the day of the week and the time, and I'm just like, sure. Like, I didn't even think about how it connected to any other thing before or after it. Well, so then I thought, um, you know, the next scene where, the, like, a, a timestamp comes up, that was, like, earlier in the week, and where the rest of the movie is going to be a flashback leading up to the shootout at, like, the strip club. And that Oh, that would be a just... much better movie. Oh my god, that would be so much better. <laughs> that would be right? miles better. That would actually be kind of interesting to make that whole thing make sense. Right? I was waiting for it, 
and then oh. we get through an hour and a half of movie and it never happens. <laughs> they should just they should just give the shootout you a... at the nightclub is never mentioned again for the rest of the movie. Aaron, if you're looking for another job, they should just give you a job rewriting like Steven Skull movies. Like <laughs> I'm a script doctor. That they give you that they give you the movie as it's like you don't write it, they give it to you and you just go, Oh, just change this to here, and then all of a sudden it's a better movie. <laughs> <laughs> i think i've done that every episode just yeah like honestly. i play script doctor you're very good at it thank Cause, you because i'm like oh my god hey, yeah, anybody that's... out there in hollywood who wants to send me a script that you think is kind of trash and uh, i'll i'll think about it for a little bit and give you one suggestion think about it for like 10 seconds and then just be like actually just move this here and then it's all better thanks yeah okay where's my <laughs> but wouldn't that make the movie please? like way better yeah because it's actually like, building I... to something instead of just fumbling his way yeah. through bad guy to bad guy well, and uh, it would make the timestamps make sense. Yeah, and have a reason to be there. There's no reason for them to be there. They're There's no reason for the timestamps at all. They don't matter. matter. They actually make it. Happens. The timestamps make it worse because it, it just made me wonder how did he get yeah. from like Beijing to. I don't know, like Milwaukee or yeah. wherever he was in like three hours. Like, there's no. <laughs> it really didn't it's make impossible. any sense. That's a 12 hour flight. I want, I want to see the. I want to see the. Uh, I want to see the scene with Steven Seagal checking in his luggage <laughs> an American Airlines. Well, be, he and, does and have a private... Waiting to board the plane. He does have a private plane that he flies on twice. Well, and... Like a, a oh, charter plane. it's not his, though. It's, it's a charter he, plane. Like, hi, yeah, he hires Who? a charter plane. It's a little Cessna. Oh okay, God, uh, the this. pilot so named Crash gets Crash. my vote for my favorite <laughs> character in this movie. <laughs> Why do they call you that? Because I've never crashed. <laughs> Oh, and that, so he's flying him at the beginning, he's flying the professor at the beginning, and he's like, oh yeah, I never crash, here's my business card, I'm going to be a relevant character later. So then later, Seagal needs a flight, he charters up this guy, who like, hops up, who's like, oh yes, right away, I got you, two hours, let's go. And then once they're in the air, he's like, wait, don't I know you from somewhere? Like, he doesn't fully recognize Seagal. <laughs> and then I guess Seagal just knows that this guy is working for well, okay, the okay, this, this is one of my notes, because okay. the reason Seagal figures it out oh, is that, right. oh, he's, he said the, the pilot crash. He says, oh, you're that archaeologist I flew. I'm sorry about your wife. Like, I'm yeah. sorry that happened to you. And, and then so Seagal flips out and, like, grabs the, the yoke and almost crashes the plane because he's like, how did you know about that? And I'm just thinking the whole time, like, your house exploded in a suburban neighborhood. That would have been on the news. And, like, <laughs> but everyone no, he's right. This guy actually, this random pilot actually is working for. But he's 100% right because he's Steven yeah. Seagal and he can't be wrong about anything in any of his movies. To so... be fair, probably my favorite <laughs> Steven Seagal interrogation technique is just threatening to do a 9-11 on the guy you're interrogating. Like just grabbing the yoke of his <laughs> plane and trying to like steer him into the ground to crash. And, oh, like, yeah. So he does this like four times. Something that we talked about like a few movies ago because we were coming up to. You know, we are now in the post 9-11 Seagal era. Yeah. It does not yeah. seem to have influenced his movies in any way. No. Nope. Like, I don't think he... It's 2003, and there's a scene where in order to get information out of a guy, he is, like, intentionally trying to crash a plane. Yeah. I don't think... <laughs> that feels weird. They don't... And they're flying over, like, a forest and stuff. Like, they don't show buildings, no, but no. still. It's but still very like, weird, given the time and location. I don't think 9-11 impacted... I wasn't expecting no impact. I was expecting a weird impact. I wasn't expecting nothing. Well, if anything, I would have just assumed that he would do, like, the every villain is, like, from the Middle East for, like, the next, like, couple years after that type thing. No, I think... <laughs> that was my Seagal, assumption. I mean, it was wrong. It wasn't right, but that was what my guess was going to be. I think, uh, just watching this movie, because this is... A, we should mention, this is the first movie... First of two movies out of his 50, mm. which was made by Seagal's own production company. Wait, really? Yes. Yeah. Uh, well, I Luminosity, a whole bunch later on. Luminosity Media. Luminosity Media. 
the logo well, for which is, does... I think, a sitting Buddha. But um, yeah. well, hold on. I thought he also owned isn't it Steamroller Steam that does? I think he's a bunch like, of the later ones. I'm sure he has like a stake in it or something. But I think like Luminosity is like he founded, like he runs it. Like Steamroller, I'm sure he has been involved in some way because like they're the only Steamroller one. Productions is a Los Angeles-based production company started by Steven Seagal oh, in 1990. Oh, interesting. So he, so well, this is one of two that was also made by his other company, Luminosity. I guess. Okay. <laughs> but so he wait, owned, whoa, whoa, whoa! Uh, uh, the company was known as Luminosity Productions uh, from 2001 to 2005. Uh, okay, so he randomly there so he are... changed the logo to like an offensive like Buddha statue for two movies and then to Steamroller. <laughs> <laughs> there are 14 uh, movies yeah because yeah. i think like interesting a decade i have to go edit movies. that wikipedia page uh <laughs> yeah no because we're reading the same one it just says yeah one of two movies made by his company luminosity which i guess is true but it feels that's a little technically true yeah the others were made by his company steamroller when it was like renamed hey uh you know public service announcement don't trust everything you read on wikipedia yeah i guess uh, well okay this is like in the last episode when i was reading off the imdb facts and then i learned halfway through not to trust these because <laughs> they started saying some real ridiculous stuff so, yeah. so yeah. practice uh, some healthy skepticism with anything that you read but anyway i think um Steven Seagal, yeah. because he has total, I think I imagine he has pretty much total creative control over this movie, seeing as he owns the company that's producing it. Um, he is so absorbed in his weird Orientalism that I really don't think like the Middle East concerns him at all. Like he doesn't. I mean that's fair, but I just would have assumed that they'd be like, oh, care. but like just for the money reasons at least, like oh, America is kind of super racist right now for the next couple of years. Let's take advantage of that, like every other movie production company did for a while, and no, video game company, not. and just pretty much every other media, <laughs> news, everything. That's why like mm-hmm. every video game made between yeah. two thousand one exactly. Like I thought it was going to be nineteen is set in the Middle East. I really thought Steven Skull was going to be generic shooting like Middle Eastern people in a desert village which i do know well, later fair, on sniper special ops yeah, will do later on down the line <laughs> but that's like 2014 i'm surprised he was a little slow to that he's like oh oh wait we're being we're being jingoistic towards towards them now okay okay sorry guys i'm 10 years late to that my bad well i think he does this because he throughout this entire movie he like markets himself okay let's talk about race relations uh he like markets himself as like one of the good ones basically like <laughs> he speaks chinese a couple times in this movie which i do not know enough about chinese to say whether it's good or not but i actually you i know actually it's not good I, i'm going to guess that it's probably not but i don't know for sure but my evidence the reason i'm guessing that it's not is that i had a hard time telling the difference between when he was speaking english and when he was speaking chinese just because of the way that he mumbles um <laughs> so like i have a hard time understanding you know, what those he's two saying easily confuse languages well i have a hard time <laughs> understanding what he's saying half the time anyway yeah so exactly. i just thought oh he just flubbed that line no when i was watching this movie like anytime the the volume levels were completely off the charts like i was constantly like turning the volume up and down for explosion yep. versus dialogue even more than regular movies and just anytime there weren't subtitles at a part like the subtitles i had just like weren't 100 percent. i just had no idea what people were saying like especially so nope. i could not understand what he was saying without subtitles nah um, yeah, he just like flubs a line every now and again. Yeah. So I just thought, oh, okay. But then I was One really paying attention. Like, oh no, he said something in Chinese right there. Um, but oh, so uh, maybe the thing I was using now, just didn't have subtitles anytime he spoke Chinese, and I couldn't even tell because it just sounded like mumbling. Well, so that's that's one thing that I noticed. I didn't have subtitles, and usually in a 
in a predominantly, you know, in a movie where the predominant language right. is English, and then they speak another language, that other language is put on the screen, yeah. not in subtitles, but like actually edited into right, the movie. Right. Yeah. You have into the film, yeah. subtitles in, yeah, in, in English. And that wasn't the case for this one. No, yeah, so it was. Yeah, it was. I had in my it was. Oh yeah, it, in mine sometimes was. That had my really. Fav- that was my one of my favorite lines in the whole movie. When we get to like favorite lines in the movie, it was one. It was delivered in Chinese and translated on the screen. Oh wait, I think wait, I think another one you okay, mean. So, so I didn't actually. I it must be the version of the movie that I have. Then all right, that's no, my fault. Hans, we watched the same version. Sometimes it did. Some lines in Chinese didn't have subtitles. Oh, some but lines. Some no, but I didn't have sub. I didn't have subtitles at oh, all. Huh. I didn't. I didn't even import a, a subtitles file. Interesting. Huh. So that's that's on me. I take it back. We're good. Okay. Um, no, but I actually, mean, that's weird. So speaking of what was oh so Hans, what should uh, people watch instead of this movie? And then we'll set our favorite quotes. <laughs> Okay, so you can edit this out if you want to, because this is going to be weird. Uh, I recently, for like the third time, watched Metal Gear Solid 4 was a mistake, the video essay yes. on YouTube. <laughs> I don't know why, but the the the, the maker of this thing, the, the creator, Stake Bentley, does such an unbelievably phenomenal job describing a video game in a series of video games that I have never played. I I played Metal Gear Solid 5 like a little bit. But it's such a great video. So <laughs> and it's edited so well. For anyone listening at home, and, it's like a, a four-hour video uh, video essay that like basically reviews, like goes through the plot of Metal Gear Solid 4 and explains like what's happening and like what's going on and gives just a you know kind of synopsis. And why it was why it was not necessarily bad, but, a but just not yeah, but a, a mistake for the series as a whole. Just the whole reason why it was made in the first place. Um, I really enjoyed watching that, but this movie reminded me of it so much because the way he talks about the B and B unit, mm, the like the okay. as you as you progress through like the boss fights at the end of each act in the game, and you fight the B and B unit, and how like completely disappointing each one of them is compared to what they're supposed to be uh sort of what's the word like reprising mm-hmm. from previous games a little bit and how the mechanics just aren't as strong the fight's not as interesting and they just have an animal version of them for no reason rather than like a a real like part of the character in previous games for some reason, I was drawing parallels to that because I had just watched the video pretty recently, but also because I'm thinking, man, we just coasted from one boss fight to another with pretty much no reason and no exposition and no reason to know why we're here. And it just was very similar. It's actually funny. I should have known that you were just rewatching that recently because I got a message from Hans where he just says, wait, are Liquid and Ocelot the same? And <laughs> and I sighed, not because it was a, a like a bad question or anything. It was a great question, but I decided because I'm like, no, it like... The, the answer wasn't <laughs> dumb until Metal Gear Solid 4. Like, Metal Gear Solid 4 made that a dumb answer. So so that's what I would say you should watch instead of that. Because even if you're like me and you have absolutely no concept of the Metal Gear series, it's such a good video. Oh and I know that has absolutely nothing to do with anything and nobody would actually care about it. But so, that's that would be so what I would recommend is, this is instead of watching this. 100%. I'm okay with you should watch this like three-hour long like YouTube video essay about a game that yeah. you haven't played. I'm great with that as a recommendation. What is like a not that recommendation that you have? Like what's a movie or <laughs> like a, a theatrical production? A TV show or a comic or book or a video game or 
Man, I'll tell you. What is a piece uh, of old media you would recommend? A piece of old media. Well, it's like you know, new. It me- has to be. Well, old no, media? no, just like new media, not old. It's just that you know the way people describe like you know online YouTube content is like new oh. media versus like <laughs> oh. established showing. <laughs> My what? Your film minor is showing. Anyway. Uh oh, man! I just watched something recently. Just say the Watchmen comic. <laughs> Hang on, where is it? Because you should read the Watchmen comic instead of you could you could just read that fifty times instead of watching any of these. Wild Target. Oh, Wild Target with Rupert. That's Grant. the one oh. with yeah, Bill Nye, Emily Blunt, and Rupert Grant. Phenomenal movie. It has absolutely nothing to do with what we're talking about. Not even remotely related to uh, Out for a Kill, but it's a fantastic movie, and you should watch that instead. Okay, that's right. I'll take that. I think I think underappreciated. Yeah, I completely. I would agree. Forgot about that movie. I'm gonna be honest um so yeah what are what are quotes that we like aaron i know you had one uh i have one but i can't say it <laughs> you can't you like can't it to have a swear it? in it it has a swear in it send it over i'll, I'll happily say it <laughs> i know you will it's delivered in <laughs> chinese but <laughs> <laughs> oh man i wish i had i wish i had subtitles <laughs> go ahead zach You'll you'll deliver it with the better inflection that I. Aaron's could. quote was a character saying in Chinese, "You're f-ed now, white boy." <laughs> I guess I don't know the intonation. Sorry, actually, for this movie, it would probably be, "You're f-ed now, white boy." <laughs> Just, Just with no emotion. My favorite one was towards the beginning when Steven Seagal's first, sorry, <laughs> Professor Robert Burns is first arrested, and they're saying like, "You're smuggling all these drugs. We know it's you. Your fingerprints are all over it," and he says. No, I'm I'm not a drug smuggler. I'm a professor. I just won an award because it just made <laughs> me think of like award. Vincent Adult Man from like BoJack Horseman. Like, ah, oh, time to go to my job at the business factory where I do adult tasks. Like, just his <laughs> like this is his understanding of what being a professor is. I just I'm a professor. I won an award. Like, as if that has any yeah, as if that sums up who you are. There's that, uh, what's the Parks, there's the Parks and Rec episode. Parks and Rec episode where... Well, that's not the attitude of an award winner on everything I I do is the attitude of an award winner because I have won an award. (laughs) Because I've won an award. (laughs) But, like, he uses as his defense against, like, drug smuggling charges is, I'm a professor, I won an award. Like, it almost feels like he's going to be, I do research and get grants and just, like, vaguely listing off the general responsibilities. But not teach. No. You never hear about any of his students. No. No. (laughs) Or what he teaches, or anything. Um, oh, Hans, man. what's your? Do you have a quote? Yeah, uh, he's talking. It's in the scene where he's talking to Tommy about you, you know she's apologizing for them using him as bait and his wife getting killed, and he says it has nothing to do. I mean, maybe maybe it does. I don't know. At the time that I heard it, and I wrote it down. I don't think it actually had anything to do with their conversation. They like someone just had this line, and they really wanted to put it in the movie, so they put it in the movie. He says, "Well, my daddy always used to say, steal a little, you go to jail. Steal a lot, and you become a king.'" Yeah. Well, no, no sense. because that's how it. Um, <laughs> like, that's what connects to his 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 prisoner friend in jail that like had nothing else to do with the movie. Yep. Is what? Because he Could says you steal a little, you're a thief. You steal a lot, you're a king. Well, I had a friend. His name was King, and he was, you know, in jail on false charges. Like the guy's like last name was King or something. That's oh, where that guy okay, connects. I missed that. Well, that still has nothing to do no. with the conversation that they're having. No, it does not. 
someone just had a really cool line in their head and they were like yeah we'll put that in here yeah and it's just it connects to this guy who was arrested for selling weed whose like name is king or something somehow i remember he connects it to that dude in prison but like that's it the guy's never brought it before or after i think instead what the like what these seagal movies should do is like during the credits instead of trying to like shoehorn all these cool lines that they thought of into somewhere in the movie they should just like during the credits like we i mean we've had like comedy bits at the end of these sometimes Mm -hmm. as the credits are rolling just like have someone come out one of the writers just like stand there with the script and say okay these are all the cool lines that we thought of that we couldn't figure out a way to get into the movie you steal a little (laughs) you go to jail you steal a lot you become a king we thought that was cool we couldn't find a way to put it in and just like (laughs) go down a list of <laughs> like one-liners that they thought of that they couldn't shoehorn into this. They didn't have a big enough story crowbar see, to get it in there. See, counterpoint: what these skull moves should do is just not exist. They just <laughs> well, it. it's just not. <laughs> Take those lines, any kind of vaguely cool line, and just put it into a better movie with a different actor. That would be um, my vote, but I mean, probably. Um, yeah, what other... I don't have any other notes. I couldn't tell you anything else about this movie. Any oh, I have lots of notes. Oh, um, well, okay, wait. Hans, do you have let's anything? Let's hear him. Because I'm, uh, okay, I'm cool. out. Uh, so when he finally finds... This, this I just thought was funny. So when he finally does find Silo, uh, who owns a laundry, which... Okay. <laughs> One quick aside as I, before I go to my other aside. Uh, let's juke <laughs> to the right for a second before we go left. Um, the, I think there was like a different camera operator on set the day that they filmed the laundry for the first time so the laundry is where they actually launder the money which okay a little on the nose a little on the nose uh but you know if if breaking bad can do it they can try it here i guess Uh, (laughs) that was a car wash but you know same idea um yeah the laundromat was where they made the drugs and then the car wash was the laundry the money but just this this scene where they like show the audience like the layout of this laundry it's like a big industrial laundry and they just show like there are people there who are like counting money and things amidst all the machinery and things but that it's it's like wads of it's like piles of money well yeah. so it's that not organized one minute it's you get like 60 seconds of someone behind the camera who seemed like they knew what they were doing like it just felt different i encourage you just go back and watch it's like in the middle of the movie that you see the laundry for the first time maybe like two-thirds of the way through that you see the laundry for the first time i encourage you just go back because it's shot totally differently the color grading is different the lighting is different the way the camera moves is different the way the blocking works is it's like they had a different film crew on set just for that day and they only got like a minute of usable footage uh but it is completely different for the rest of the movie but anyway when he finally finds silo uh he finds the guy who's like bombed his house and killed his wife um i wrote in my notes his dog and his dog, apparently. Um, I wrote in my notes, there's a Chinese laundry in France with a Swiss bank account counting American money off a truck that they got in Eastern Europe. <laughs> what? For, okay. I, for some reason, I didn't even make that connection, but you're absolutely right. I, I honestly didn't even notice, but all, it's all American. Oh you're right. I didn't even... I didn't even think because like because like the location is completely irrelevant. I didn't even think about the fact that this is in Paris, and, with, and like you said, the only country not connected to this exact web in this exact moment is America. 
Oh my god, this just got so much stupider. How did, how did I not think like that? How did I not think Again, it's because, why... it, because you, it does not matter where you are. None of these locations Do you want to know why matter. it's even stupider? Yeah. Do you want to okay. know why, no, yeah. why it's even stupider? Yeah. The street that the laundry <laughs> is on is Rue de la Gru. <laughs> Rue de la Gru. Gru is nonsense. It means nothing. <laughs> okay. I was gonna, I was like, they I just know, wanted it to rhyme and sound French. <laughs> Rue de la Gru. They just wanted it to rhyme and sound French. How deep these webs are woven. Again, this is like when we were watching Above the Law and they just like for no reason, it's like the you have like fourteen different like countries like involved. Oh, I'm in very this, sorry. Like, case. I'm very sorry I was wrong. Oh. It does mean something. Oh, okay. It means a crane like the bird. Oh, like very the on the nose. A crane flies above mm. the water because there's danger that lies below. There you go. Um, de la so what else? What other? What other notes? I actually I lied. I have one note left. I said at an hour. Is it about his hair? His hair? Seems like <laughs> I was awful, terrible mullet in this one. No, he had a ponytail <laughs> for thirty seconds. Oh my god, he did. I, yeah. I missed that. I, was spaced oh, I, I can't that. tell you where it is. He like sits down in a I chair and he looks up like to the uh, upper right hand of the screen and you see just a little bit of ponytail at the back, but it's only for one shot. Did I see a ponytail? The rest I'll of the time honest, it's I free flowing. Of, I kind of miss the ponytail as opposed to the mullet. I'll be honest. The weird stiff mullet it's, is a it's a little strange. Yeah, it's I don't weird. want the ponytail. And it's, it's, it's like the 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 weird stiff mullet would have been perfectly at home in the early '90s when his movie started. But we're in the early. Okay, but the know, ponytail. Early, but we have to remember whenever they do the ponytail, they Mullets have like some out. character, like some gal that has to like Ugh. tussle, like play with his greasy ponytail. Uh, so with the mullet, okay, that doesn't well, happen. I, okay, well you did. Oh, you're welcome. I forgot about that. Um, oh hey. Uh, anyway, I'm sorry. Keep. What was your point? Yeah. Um. Just that. Out. Similar to like how you notice this laundromat just like seemed to be filmed differently. There was randomly the two like weird film moments that weren't even good, but like stuck out in my head. One was like the slow motion bullets we mentioned at the start of this, like yeah. the 3D model bullets. The other one was at one hour, seven minutes and 59 seconds in. There's the shot and it's literally like two seconds long. It's a blink and you'll miss it shot. But he's yeah. Seagal's like approaching a bad guy. I think this is when they're like he's helping Tommy like um they're in like a fight together. And then she goes mm-hmm. to free Ed. Um, oh, they're in like a heroin den. Yeah, he like approaches this guy, and like it zooms in on the bad guy's eyeball, and you see a reflection of Seagal's face in it. <laughs> so he like runs up to this guy, yeah. you see like the reflection of him in the eye, and then he like just punches the dude out. Like it's mm-hmm. less than three seconds. But I was like, what? <laughs> Hold on, let me. I I pull the movie back up. What's the time? One one oh seven one oh seven nine. Yeah. And it's just stylistic choice. It's not executed well. Like, you can just tell, like, in post, no. they, like, put this little image of him in the eye. But, like, I can just kind of picture the director, like, leaning over the editor's shoulder, like, oh, oh, do a reflection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'll be cool. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. But it's blinking and you'll miss it. That. it. They never do anything like that again in the movie. It's it's so, very um, weird. It's not good. But, like, it, it's, I think, like, a week from now going to be the only thing I remember about this movie. Hey, uh, let me hmm. throw you all a curveball. Okay. What did we think of the car chase? Oh, that was actually the other. The car chase overall was fine. It existed. There was like they have this car flip. At it one existed, point. and that's all it did. But th- it they did, did like flip this car over, and that was actually like, oh, yeah. that's pretty cool. So the uh, the thing that stuck out to me the most, real quick before you move on, yeah. uh, there was a lot of tire squeal. Yeah. yeah. 
driving on mud and dirt. <laughs> okay, just focus on the car Which... that flips. That part was pretty. Okay, part, like, but there's a car that flips and gets <laughs> squished. Yeah. Um. So okay, here's my here are my questions about the car chase. Where are they coming from? Where are they going? Don't. don't no. Where did they get no. these cars? Who is involved from in this the dig chase? site to the border of the country? No, 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 no. not that car chase. No, no, the no. One later on, not the that, not oh, the big car chase. That's that's the Jeep. Oh, that's the Toyota Which is Jeep. Not a Jeep. That's the Toyota Jeep. Oh, you're right. You're right. No, They're later like on, two thirds of the way through the movie, because it's like after that fight scene I just mentioned or something. Yeah, there's a car chase you're in right. Eastern Europe. And that's like nope. right at the end. I nope. forgot Flo about State, that. Which I don't was, care where they came from. I don't care where they're going. I'm just accepting it. He's just, it just like, he, yeah, he has one of the fights with one of the of nowhere, 10 big huh? bads. And then there's a car, like you were in the middle of the car chase, like in media res car chase. Like nope. it just begins. Don't make me. No, he does. Cause the, he, the he says uh, that was right after uh, Ed gets yeah. killed. Yeah. And he, he comes out of the building. Ed gets shot. He saves Tommy. And he says to Tommy, take care of your partner or something like that. And then he just walks out of the shot. And then all of a sudden they're in cars. <laughs> yep. And they're like driving through some industrial zone. They're like sliding around. I do like, so I, that was kind of one of my favorite parts of this movie because I think they did not care about these cars at all. Like they're. One of them was a Mercedes. I didn't see what the other well, one was. Well, they're like, it was like a Mercedes, but they're like, they look like 80s European junkers. Like they just don't, I don't think they the producers of this movie cared about these cars at all. So they just, they bump them, they flip them, they crash them into stuff. Uh, the car chase ends when Seagal like jumps his car into a mannequin store. Like it's just a storefront oh, yeah. full of it wasn't, no, it wasn't naked Seagal's mannequins. Car. It's, no, yeah, it's it was a, the other one of the guy. bad guys drives it in there. Oh, and Seagal the just guys. gets out of his car and like chases the guy into the store, you know, gets the guy. As he it is confusing though, because they don't, they don't show the bad guy like they just show the car flying through the window. Yeah, but they yeah. didn't. They didn't show like usually they'd show a shot of the bad guy like oh no, they didn't yeah, do that. I can't like tell they who's would. In what car. You, you, wait, Hans, you mean like they would just show like a half second close up of um uh, Mike Ermatraut's face just going like eh, as he crashes the the train like in, <laughs> into the other train? That's what you're saying. This movie was missing. <laughs> Can we watch Under Siege two oh, again? Man. Yeah. We're going to have to make uh, a very short list of the movies here that we would actually rewatch. For me, it's like literally Under Siege it, 2 in The Foreigner. Yeah. Um, For me, I it's it's got to be The Foreigner. I didn't... Adjust I just the parts I of the Dunoir, which thankfully... Yeah, like just yeah, the, 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 the Dunoir <laughs> cut. The, that... <laughs> the boudoir cut, as Hans would call it. Um, oh, <laughs> I couldn't remember his name. Do you have name. any other... That was, I wasn't trying to be a jerk. I just <laughs> no, couldn't remember the character's name. Do you have any other random notes? Uh, well, no, I just, I really liked that car chase, actually. Yeah. Uh, Mike, it, it, I have it another was, question. It was, it was fine. It was one of the better parts of the movie. Uh, I have a question. Uh, does anybody know what happened to that Jesus neon, the neon sign about Jesus? <laughs> oh, I, it made me laugh. That's what happened. <laughs> I couldn't tell anything else about what? it. <laughs> Can we buy it? Does it exist out there in the world? Like, yeah, just I picture mean, a, like, a Las Vegas, like, glowing neon sign that says, like, Jesus is the savior or something like that. Jesus is the light of the world. Yeah, outside, like, an Eastern European <laughs> church, I guess. Directly across the street from the that nightclub yeah. where everybody got shot and where they sell heroin. No, yeah, that made, that was funny to me. That uh, one, me one quick correction. We keep saying heroin, but it's cocaine. Is it cocaine? In the IMDb page, I'm 100% certain they said heroin. No. Well, well the, Wikipedia all the drugs says heroin. See, all of the drugs that you really? see in this movie look like bags of sand. Like, Yeah. No, yeah, they don't. Yeah. Well, hold on. Maybe I'm wrong then. Hang on. Let me look it back up. 
Who do we need to? Whose page do we need to edit? IMDb. Yeah, or one of these Wikipedia. is going to be fixed then. Because uh, I already have one Wikipedia edit. IMDb says an unsuspecting university professor is an unwitting accomplice in a foiled Chinese cocaine deal. Interesting. Interesting. Because out the Alpha Kill Wikipedia page, which by the way, the opening plot description is very funny to me. Whoever wrote this, like clearly, like had very little patience for this movie or like you know was just kind of in on the joke because it starts <laughs> off wong dai an influential chinese drug kingpin sits at a long table in an old building in paris france going through the motions of a gigantic merger between himself and several other major chinese drug dealers i love that the description just says going through the motions of this Bravo um, to you. but it, it says uh silo controls shipments in the french heroin market in paris using laundromats all over paris as a front so i assumed it was all heroin interesting but... It really doesn't okay. matter. It's just drugs. It, drugs. it, re- it really doesn't matter. It's it just is drugs. drugs. TM. That is what is in this movie. Yeah. Um. um uh, I already mentioned that he uses a katana to kill the final bad guy. Oh, it is actually the thing. Like I said, I mentioned <laughs> I this at the start. Why. It's very funny. So he's in the fight with the bad guy. It has to be the most underwhelming one we've seen so far. And we've seen a lot of really underwhelming like and bad guy fights because they're in the room together. The guy, like, sets off an explosive that doesn't actually, like, it just, like, lights the room on fire, but just mildly annoys Seagal. Like, it kind of knocks him over, but then he's back up. He's, like, clearly not dead, and the guy just, like, leaves. So Seagal just grabs a katana. He, like, opens the window. He sees, (laughs) he's on, like, the second or third floor. He sees the bad guy standing outside next to his limo on, like, ground level. And Seagal just, like, the window's opened, like, a five-inch crack. But he just whips this katana out the window. Like boomerangs. He it. just like, you know, boomerangs it, like, you know, disgulfs it out. And it like, <laughs> w- it like decapitates the guy. And sincerely, like, it looks like a 2008, like, YouTube, like, sketch video. Like, the way you would film one of those. Because it just cuts him <laughs> and you just see, like, this mannequin head hit the ground. And then his body slump over. And the limousine, yeah. it doesn't even, like, tire squeal out of there. It just kind of just drives off. It's just like, eh. Oh, and, like, yeah. leaves. <laughs> And then he like rescues the documents Oop, before here. the whole thing. Yeah. Like, Don't down. want any part of that. But <laughs> not paid enough for the this death crap. scene. What like I went back. I did go back and like watch this five times because I'm like, no, the it wasn't that bad. <laughs> and it truly is like Smosh had better special effects than this when I was in middle school. Oh boy, I'm not even joking. <laughs> This ain't Rocket Jump Studios here. No. It's Luminosity. They, oh my god. If they had Freddie Wong on this, that ending would have looked so much better. I'm not even joking. Hey, Freddie, uh, hey, if Freddy. you want to hit me up, I'll be the script doctor on these. We can refilm them. Shot for shot remake you, of every Seagal movie. Yeah, you, me, Corridor Digital, maybe, and uh, Rocket Jump. Let's do it. Yeah, make it happen. Make it happen. We'll do a, a Dungeons and Daddies crossover. I know he's a listener. Yeah. You'll, we'll have freddie come on to uh steven yeah. see it all one of us will appear on you know dungeons and daddies it'll be a whole tie-in yeah yeah brand deal integration um amen any other thoughts on the movie oh my god you know, we're dreaming big here uh, i had to go i had to go back and look at the decapitation scene again and it's oh man <laughs> we haven't talked i don't think i don't think i really understood just how bad this was really I, I don't bad. think i really paid attention to this the first time it's awful wow Oh my god. Wow. Oh my goodness. <laughs> the sword flying through the air is so absurd. Oh, uh, okay. Wait a second. Okay. So, well, he throws it over his shoulder yes. so it should go end over end, 
but it ends up coming out of the window like sideways like a frisbee. So let me blow your all's mind here. Okay. Um So Oh my gosh. Okay, so the guy Wait a second. Director of photography on this movie, Mark Vargo. Okay. Before he did Out for a Kill, before he did Out for a Kill, he did Mouse Hunt, uh, which has a, a special place in Mouse? my heart. Uh, Mouse Hunt's a good uh, movie. Deep Impact, Stuart Little, The Green Mile, Jesus. The Patriot. Wait, the Steven uh, Small Patriot or no. the Mel Gibson Patriot? Oh. The Mel Gibson Patriot. Okay. There we oh. go. Asked. Cats and Dogs. Stuart Little too, but whatever. And then he did Out for a Kill, for some reason. And then who is this? The uh, director Mark of... Vargo, the director of photography. Wait, did you? Uh, it seems like there was another big one that he worked on. Well, uh, he did visual effects work on Ghostbusters, the original Ghostbusters. Yeah, well, and then he was the director of photography, at least in the second unit. So, so for a lot of the movies after this, he wasn't like the director of photography. He was one of the directors of photography. Like there were, there, he was on like a secondary team that did this. So like he was on the secondary team for Looney Tunes back in action, Garfield, Catwoman, The Ring Two, Wait, when you Poseidon. Say Garfield, you mean like the live action but Murray Garfield? Like the live action, like the live action okay. Garfield. Cool. Um, Three Ten cool. to Yuma. Oh okay. G Force, Rise of the Planet of the Apes, uh, Alvin and the Chipmunks, Chipwrecked, Ted, White House Down, Transcendence, Hocus Pocus Two. Huh. <laughs> it's, it's Zach's been nodding his head this whole time, and as soon as Hocus Pocus 2 comes up, <laughs> stops. <laughs> but, like, that's such an interesting career. Yeah. It started out really, really good, but I, I think that we've, we, I've found a couple people like this, where, like, the inflection the point seems to have been the Seagal movie. Like, it's not necessarily that everyone was saying, no, you worked on Out for a Kill, you, you know, it's Garfield, Tale of Two Kitties for you from now on, but it's more so, like... Just, eh, okay, it's kind of, nope. this is the type of work he was getting, and, like, Seagal seems to be, like, the beginning of it, it's just because of the time period. I'm not actually going to assume that it was because he did a Seagal movie. I mean, but even the other ones there that you said later on, like, They're with not, the exception like, of maybe I mean, Hocus Pocus 2, all of those are better than, like, any, your average, like, Seagal movie. Yeah. Uh, and then, like, a couple of the people, like, a couple of the actors in here... Uh, like Dave Wong, like he was in the Death of Stalin. Ooh. Um, <laughs> Skyfall. Like, like, I'm just gonna go back to Mark Rogo for a second, just to put some respect on his name. So it does say that. So you mentioned all where he was like director of photography. He yeah was nominated in the category of best visual effects for his work on Ghostbusters, and he shared the nomination with like three other people. So he's an Academy Award nominated oh, awesome. film yeah. uh wow. visual effects artist, and he also worked <laughs> mm-hmm. at Industrial Light and Magic, contributing to the efforts. Uh. That won the company four consecutive Academy Awards for visual effects. Well, so dang. He, Good for so him. even before he had this director, you know, director of photography career, the cinematographer career, yeah, he was very accomplished. Like at least in yeah. some way responsible for five Academy Award nominations for visual effects. And then he did a Seagal movie. <laughs> and we're not saying that's why it went all downhill, but it certainly didn't help. <laughs> but it's, it seems to be very strongly what's correlated. The, what's the what's the quote? Isn't it from? The rest yeah, the of the development. The, yeah, yeah. The, uh, <laughs> I don't want to say it was 9-11, but it didn't help things. <laughs> That's uh, not funny, but the... 
And then there were a couple people in this movie who, like, I vaguely remember, like, I, like, in the last movie, we're getting into the territory of, like, people that looked vaguely familiar to me, but Mm -hmm. I couldn't pin it down. Uh, So, like, Tom Wu um, was in Batman Begins as Bhutanese prison guard number one, just, like, in the way in the background. Um, But uh, some other famous, he was in, he was also in Skyfall. He was in Red 2, Kick-Ass 2. Uh, Wait, who is this the, right uh, Tom Wu. Oh, okay. He played in this movie. Lebo. Uh, yeah, Lebo. Have you talked about um, um, Corey Johnson yet? He. Uh, that that's my next oh, okay, one. I think okay. that's. I think he's the biggest like yeah, star I, we yeah, get out of I this so, one. Because yeah. uh, I definitely recognized him, but I couldn't tell you what he was from. He was in several of the Jason Bourne movies. He was in Morbius, which I never saw, but you More know that was a big. It was a big movie, but it was a big movie. Let's leave. They it brought there. it back to theaters a second time. That's how big it was. <laughs> <laughs> Flopped twice. Um, yeah, uh, but it'll always be funny. Corey Johnson's been in a whole bunch of stuff. Um, yeah, I was looking Hellboy, through here and I can't Kingsman, remember what Captain it was. Phillips, Ex Machina. Ex Machina. Yeah. Uh, Kingsman. He was a heck of a lot better in the Bourne Ultimatum than he was in this movie. Yeah, he was in the Bourne movies. Because um, I remember when he comes on screen, I'm like, I know this guy. I know him from something. Oh, actually, speaking of, uh, earlier I mentioned The Mummy. He was in The Mummy. He was in The Mummy. He was in an episode of Doctor Who. Um, was there anybody in this one that was in the Super Mario Bros. live action movie yet? See, now that I've been able to find, but Corey Johnson—the first one that doesn't have that. I think there were probably some other ones. I don't think literally every single movie has had the Super Mario Brothers movie. Corey Johnson, no, not everyone. No. Uh, Corey Johnson. What I did, re- I finally figured out what I recognize him from is that he is in Hellboy. Yes, the 2004 Hellboy. He is Hellboy's like caretaker. He's the agent in charge of like getting oh, him snacks and stuff. Okay, okay. Um, agent Clay. Um, Okay. But I it was very funny. But I think that. we I did say we had one of the people in this movie was in CSI Crime Scene Investigation at one point. Oh, Corey Johnson was in Saving Private Ryan. He was also in Killzone Two and Connect Sports and Xenoblade Chronicles Two. Um, <laughs> okay, <laughs> and Total War Warhammer Three. Um, but I mean, some of these people are have done stuff. Wow, and the most like non-committal sentence that... of all time. <laughs> well, there are also like there are several like foreign actors that I don't. I can mm. look at their IMDb page, but I can't tell you if that's successful or not. Like I, I don't know about these foreign projects. Like, um, like the woman who plays Maya Seagal's wife in this movie. I have no idea if she's actually. She's been in a whole bunch of stuff. She's still making things, but I don't know if it's any good. It's all in Hungarian. I don't. I'm not up to date on my Hungarian filmmaking. That's my fault for not knowing that. But oh, but that's um. Are you talking about? Sorry, I just want to make sure I have the right person. Oh no, never mind. Um, Elaine. Let's just assume that yeah. they're Elaine good. Tan. That have to be better than this Elaine movie. Tan, who played Tan. Uh, Louis. She yeah. was in CSI Crime Scene Investigation. So yes, we have a connection to CSI Crime Scene Investigation or Super Mario Brothers movie. As long as we have one of those, we're good. And and we have yeah. CSI Crime Scene Investigation. Yeah. Oh, and that's what it was. Yeah, yeah, it was. But it was uh. Uh, Kata, the actress that plays Maya Burns, his wife. Um, we finally named her because we're just saying good things about her from now on. Um, she was also an episode of CSI Crime Scene Investigation. So two 
of the actresses in this movie were in CSI Crime Scene Investigation for one episode. There you go. So there we go. I think you can just say CSI. No. CSI Crime Scene Investigation. <laughs> I'll, I'll give it the full title. Well, they're a whole bunch of different. They're a whole bunch of different. Yeah. Uh, Are you talking about CSI New York? Are you talking about CSI Miami? <laughs> um but yeah i think that is i am amazed we talked about this movie for this long i um this i had thought i had so little to say about it i think i truly i don't i don't really have much to say about this movie it's forgettable i did not enjoy it i wanted it to be over one star we've had not much to say about this movie for the last hour and a half i understand um <laughs> but if it was just me if this was a solo pod it would be like a five minute episode i think yeah i mean don't watch this I, like uh, like we said <laughs> at, the, at the top of this episode like this is a very close runner-up to worst seagal movie so far and Definitely. the only movie um, so far that it is better than we need to reiterate is one that was quite literally like half footage from other movies that they hastily assembled <laughs> because they stopped production partway through filmed in a week wasn't it yeah Ooh, oh yeah no something like it was like the, 12 the parts days that they something. actually yeah. did film it was like 12 days 12 or something. days that this movie by virtue of actually being a movie that as far as i can tell everything that was in this movie was filmed for this movie makes it better that is just about it yeah <laughs> it is not better in really any other way um so how many what's your star rating uh oh it's like half a star maybe okay okay we agree on this one. I'm yeah, glad. it's it's it brought it's you know it's a, the 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 Steven C at all is about the friends you make along the way. <laughs> um, out for a kill, more like definitely killed me. Out for a kill, more like I'm out of here for a nap instead of watching this movie. Got him. Um, <laughs> I don't know why it's out for a kill like that. Just they they should have called it out for like fifty animals. guys in this movie. If you will actually title the movie out for 11 kills, I'd be more interested. I'd be like, okay, very specific. Mm-hmm. Let me see those 11 kills. Um, oh. Yeah, out for a kill. More like out for a... Or like danger under the water. Or like... Actually, you know how people uh, talk about how like, you know, there will be blood in the country for old men. Like they're, each movie has the wrong title mm-hmm. that should be swapped. I think it would make more sense if you swapped out for a kill in the foreigner. Like if you switch those two titles. Actually. Yeah. yeah. Actually, if in this one yeah. he was the foreigner... I mean, sure, it makes just as much sense here as it did there, but out for a kill for the last one. Like, that would, I think, genuinely make yeah. more sense. Yeah. Um. Honestly. So, yeah, join us for the... Join us uh, next week for the second movie produced by Luminosity Productions, also known as Steamroller Productions, Belly of the Beast. 2003, his Beast. third movie that released during 2003. Oh, oh boy, does it feel like he made three movies in one year. <laughs> <laughs> um, directed by and not like in a Jesse cool Jones. way is... like Danny Trejo no um... <laughs> alright join us next week for Belly of the Beast um, which is all about Steven Seagal's increasingly large belly um, as these movies go on <laughs> does that work is that bad That's... that seems a little I don't know uh, mean spirited maybe yeah. um... out for a kill sucked yeah you tell him thanks Hans <laughs> That means one of us has to die. I wasn't recording him when I said that. Man. Man. It's like I'm a professional.